This is Jim Durkin, and on this week's episode, we're talking mule deer with Brian LaTurner. Brian was born and raised in Utah and is a lifelong mule deer hunter. He's also the owner of Monster Muley's website. As you can probably guess, we talk a lot about the decline of mule deer and what he suspects may be contributing to it. This episode is part one of our mule deer series. I started recording these episodes this past winter as the West simultaneously received record snowfall. I thought mule deer were in trouble before this winter, which is why I wanted to do these episodes, but now it's it's dire. In Colorado, where I hunt a lot, they've taken a 40% reduction in limited license and elk, deer, and antelope in northwest Colorado. In Utah, biologists have predicted that they've lost like 70% of the deer herd and 90% of the, of the fawns. This is indicative of many Western states. It's bad. So I think these episodes and discussions are even more important to have now. At any rate, I hope you enjoy this episode with Brian LaTurner as he shares his experience with boots on the ground in multiple states hunting mule deer. Thanks for listening. This is The Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. How's it going, Brian? It's going really good. I'm glad you uh I'm glad we were able to hook up and, and start this podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I like I'm talking I'm, about deer hunting. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna be talking mule deer. So nice. I'm 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 here with Brian Laturner, and where where are you located? I live uh, just north of Salt Lake City in Farmington, Utah. Okay, so you're in Utah, yeah. and you own and operate Monster Muley, right? I think probably that's a lot right. of people know that. Yeah, that's my my baby. I guess you could say I've been running it for about oh, 24 years now. Wow, that long. Yeah, that's that's yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, I can't uh, can't complain. <laughs> it's been a good a good run. Been doing it full time for almost uh, boy, almost twenty years now. Wow. Yeah. And are you are you born and raised in Utah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was uh, born in Salt Lake and lived in Ogden part of my life, and so I've always been here. Never lived outside Utah. Gotcha. So let's get into it, man. We're looking, you know, with guys like yourself, your experience, and you live out west. What, what's, what's been your experience all the way back from when you were a kid, and till till now? Yeah, when I, well, I I was born into a mule deer hunting world. I mean, I think I was probably going along on the family hunts when I was just a baby. Uh, grew up around it, uh, started trophy deer hunting when I was a teenager, uh, with my dad. And then it's just, you know, my, I just took that path with the website and, and I've just been living it for, for my whole life. So, and I've had the opportunity to hunt quite a lot in Utah and, and over the last 20 years, a lot in Wyoming and Colorado, I've had some great success. 
and so you are the, the those the three states you hunt mainly utah um montana or uh yes colorado and and wyoming correct yeah I've, i mean i've hunted idaho years ago but uh got away from that uh, back in the old days you used to be able to muzzleload hunt there clear up to the end of november we were shooting the old style muzzleloaders nothing like uh today but that was fun but of course eventually that all all, all went away just too many people got involved and just can't fit them all out there and continue to have the, the animals. So. so you've, you've been successful, but mule deer numbers have theoretically gone down over the years. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, when I think about the times back in the eighties and, and, you know, tagging along with my dad and that type of hunting and just all the deer that we would see, it was, it's definitely a lot different than it is today. Um, you know, but things have changed a lot too. There's just so much more human activity in the woods. Uh, and, and that's one of my theories as to why it's, it's, you know, the, the herds have dwindled, you know, quite significantly actually in that period of time is because, you know, people get out there and they're in the woods a lot more than they were back then. Technology plays a role in that too. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at the advent of Google earth and the change that that had in, in just the way we can scout and look at places. And I mean, you can have a good feel of, of, you know, the Canyon you're going into and you know exactly what it looks like before you even get there now. Back in the old days, you know, a topographical map with, you know, some green that indicated trees and white that indicated open countries, all you had. Yeah. You know, and it was it was far more difficult, more intimidating than it is now. So for sure, technology. And then, of course, just the communication technology sites like mine uh, where people can talk about and share information. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the like, and of course, all the hunting services. I mean, information was nowhere near as, as available back then as it is now. And, you know, anymore, you know, pretty much everybody knows the same thing. You know, there there's very few secrets out there anymore. So, and when you find them, you got to pounce on them and write it as long as you can. And because eventually it's everyone else is going to catch on. Is does technology come at, at a detriment to species that are vulnerable? And I'm not saying you, you know talk forums are the reason mule deer have declined, but the social media, the postings, the loose lips sink ships. Like you said, there's no, there's hardly any secrets out there. I think everybody knows where the big mule deer exist. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, there, there's no doubt. I mean, I put, you know, I mean, I put a lot of blame on myself. I mean, I, you know, but of course when I, I mean, I started video and documenting my hunts clear back in, you know, back in the days when I had to, to download the video from my camera to a special device and then import it onto my computer and, you know, uh, change a bunch of coding just to get this thing. And then I had to upload it and, and it's back in the, the early 2000s when I first started sharing video and, you know, and sharing my adventures, talking about how fun they were. 
and, you know, and at the time, who would have ever thought that, hey, this is going to become, you know, a mainstream thing, you know, uh, with Instagram. Now it's so easy to share how much fun it is. And of course, that's going to draw in, you know, a lot of people. You know, if you, you know, you get on video and talk about how fun and exciting something is. And, you know, you, you got to expect other people are going to going to jump into it, you know. And so, of course, that's that's caused this frenzy over going out and looking at big deer on the winter range or going out and picking up shed antlers or getting out there and spending 20 days scouting. You know, that was unheard of, you know, many years ago. But now it's it's pretty commonplace because. You know, people like myself and others have said, hey, this is fun. So if you want to have fun, here's a great hobby to do. Well, you know, of course, our plan wasn't isn't to, you know, to, to make make things worse in any way. But it's just it was a it was a fact. It was a lot of fun to go out and pick up shed antlers, you know, and but, yeah. but eventually just everyone does the stuff and there are no secrets. And there just isn't enough resource for us all to do it. And then on top of that, the resource has been dwindling at the same time that the popularity has been growing. Yeah, you guys just had your shed season shut down completely. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was probably kind of a panic. You know, we had all the snow in January and February now. Now it's mid-March, but things are starting to melt off pretty good in northern Utah. Um, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing to shut it down and give them animals a break because the vast majority of antler hunters aren't out there wanting to bother deer. But when there's a deer on, you know, a big buck that's been wintering on the mountain, you know, and, and everybody can see it, the pressure's there for for somebody and numerous somebodies to want to get up there first, you know, and it would just be a constant guy after guy after guy going in there and running deer, running that deer out of every one of his bedding spots, out of every feeding spot, waiting for him to drop, you know, and then the next day a new guy goes up in there and looks and the deer just can't handle that kind of pressure when there's a foot or foot and a half yeah. of snow up in there and and they just get forced higher and higher up into deeper and deeper snow and and uh and of course nobody has bad intent most people have in fact nobody has bad intentions when they go do it you know but they just want the antlers yeah exactly and it's fun to pick them up you know and and it is a competition because there's only that antler or two antlers up there and you know all these other people also want them you know, and so that competition is going to cause some people to go in there earlier than they should. And uh, that that's what ends up becoming a problem. So in my opinion, the, the moving the shed opening date to the 1st of May is it's a good thing. So you're you would say like that you've seen deer numbers decline in in the last 30 years. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and that's, that's everywhere that I go to. I, I can't think of, of any place, you know, where you can say, yeah, there's a whole lot more deer here than there was 30 years ago. Um, really? yeah. I can't think of anything offhand where anybody would say such a thing. 
And are, are you traveling to those three states every year? Um, yes, I have been. In fact, last year was the first year I didn't have a Colorado tag in the last uh, 20. Um, but but yeah, I've been hunting all three states. Uh, Utah, I've kind of, you know, I get a tag every year as part of the uh, lifetime license program. Uh, but I haven't. I haven't been hunting real serious the last few years here. What about like the special draw units that everybody desires? The Ponsagant, the Henrys. Yeah. Have you seen the increase in in people going after those tags? Is it harder than it was, say, 15 years ago? Oh, yeah. And, and that's the case everywhere. I mean, like I said, when you when you share, when people find out, hey, you know, hunting is fun and and anyone can do it and it can even be a family thing. So not everyone has to have a tag. Well, then more and more and more people pour into it, you know, and, and it used to be that it was, you know, that it took a guy who really wanted to hunt deer you know, who actually wanted to pay to apply and wait for a tag. Well, now just, you know, people say, hey, let's supply everyone in our family. And someday, you know, Junior will draw a tag and and Junior may never hunt deer for the next 20 years. And then 20 years down the road, then they finally go on a deer hunt. And so it's it's almost turned into a once in a lifetime type thing Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of these tags. And and people have accepted that. And a lot of it is because people have plenty of other hobbies. So, you know, no longer are, you know, people, hey, I'm a diehard deer hunter and that's what I do. Now people have lots of hobbies and they're they're content just saying, hey, I'll just go on one hunt, you know, every four or five years. And they're satisfied with that. With that. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to be as, as, this, <laughs> as this trend keeps happening. I don't want it to see that, but I'm just no, was, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to say as the resource, you know, dwindles, it's only going to get worse. I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but our best days are probably behind us when it comes to this. Uh, you know, the animals, they just they've got quite the uphill battle. And it's and a lot of it, like I said, there's just so many people out in the woods constantly you know, every day of the year and, and all of the, you know, they're, they're being pushed around all the time, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. whether it's rock climbers or mountain climbers or just campers or ATV, you know, they're being moved, you know, and, and that stress, I believe plays into the, to the dwindling numbers. And then of course, you know, they hit the winter range, same thing, people out there every day, you know, doing activities and, and they're being pushed around. And then you combine that with, with the drought that we've had the last number of years, you know, and a lot of the winter range vegetation isn't growing like it used to, and it can't support as many deer, you know, so it, it, I just, it's hard for me to envision any big turnaround. Wow. Yeah. It, it's a shame. No doubt. And I think the 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 pressure factor is coming from obviously more people live in the Western United States, the Rocky Mountain West, and the people coming from the East Coast. There's there there was an intimidation factor 
traveling from east to west to hunt the big west you know and there it's there is still that factor of of little bit intimidation the unknown but like you said man it's decreased a lot because you can explore and you can know exactly where you're going and what the range looks like. You could do the street view in some cases and, and look up at the ridge tops from Google earth. So there's a lot, I think there's a lot more people that aren't afraid to quote unquote, being afraid to, to travel from East to West. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I say, with well, and then the information that's readily available, uh, photos of places via Google Earth. And yeah, I mean, and that was the case, not just from people back east, but there were a lot of, I mean, locals who, you know, they were intimidated going into into these different places that they had never been before, you know, for fear of getting stuck or getting lost and all those things. And anymore, you know, a lot of that's non-existent i mean you know when you can dial in on google earth and you can see you know the trails and you know the nearest roads and you know you can print it out and of course you know you have you know these mapping systems and yeah 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 there is no uh so that that part of what hunting used to be where people were were a little intimidated about venturing into new places is is almost non-existent now. Right. So having said that, are some of your haunts harder to get tags? I mean, that's pretty much the case throughout the West. Each place that, you know, took one point probably now takes three points and three points takes six points. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. I mean, I drew a tag in uh, Colorado in 2002 and the next year it took, I think, two two or three points. And so I was two or three points behind drawing it again. It's still I'm two or three points behind it, and it takes something like 23 points to draw. And so in all those years, I've gained no ground on that one. And a few years ago, my dad just finally bit the bullet and applied somewhere else. But that's the case everywhere. I mean, the, the number of tags has been going down. Opportunity is... I mean, it is, it's going away, you know, while at the same time, more and more people are wanting to, to participate, but there's just the resource isn't there. And where do you see, well, obviously the, the trophy quality is still, still there. Yes, for sure. In some places there's still, you know, the trophy, trophy quality is, is still you know, well intact, but it's very few places, you know, they have to be, you know, certain uh, limited entry units or other areas that are extremely remote and rugged. Uh, but even in those places, it's, I'm seeing it taking, you know, a toll. And and when I, it's the more serious hunters that are getting, uh, you know, they're spending more time scouting, they're spending more time hunting, they're, they're bringing buddies with them to help them find animals. And so every year I see a change, you know, when I first uh, started hunting Wyoming, I could go up in there and scout and, you know, spend, you know, a dozen days in the summer scouting and never see another person hike up trails in August that you could clearly see no one had been up. Yeah. And that that's that's not the case anymore. You know, every place gets hit. 
Um, there's guys at trailheads, you know, every weekend for certain. And, uh, you know, even the guides and outfitters have gotten more serious about it because in order to keep up, they have to continue to produce. And, and so that means more time scouting, more time hunting, you know, in the limited entry units, same thing, you know, if it takes a guy, you know, uh, 10 years to draw a tag, well, he's more likely going to take a bunch of buddies or family members to help him be successful than if it took no points to draw, then he might just go alone. And so the success rate, you know, on, on the trophy caliber animals, you know, goes up. The harder these tags are to get, the more serious people take it. And it's just a snowball effect. There's more investment. Yeah. Yep. There's more at, at, at stake. Oh yeah. 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 That's what I mean. It, you know, people put in all that, all that time and money applying and they want to make the most of it. And, you know, if you go hunting for a deer, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to go one-on-one -on -one with a big buck and get him. But if you take two or three buddies, you know, and you have radios or phones and people, you know, guys are watching different hillsides, it changes the ball game immensely. And so, and that's what's, that's what's playing out in a lot of places. Yeah. My buddy who lives in Arizona talks about that where one person will draw a tag and, and it's a family reunion because it's harder to draw a tag. So people want to go hunting. So, Hey, you know, let's go with the person who draw the tag, who drew the tag so we could go every year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you can't blame them. I mean, no. it's fun. Everybody wants to get out there. And I mean, even though they're just spotting for game, they, you know, they, they have the thrill of the hunt, but it does come at a cost and that is with quality. And, and, uh, so, so we have to, we have to accept that. What about improvements? What has improved with mule deer over the last 30 years? Yeah, boy. I mean, well, when it comes to whether it's trophy quality or just opportunity, neither has improved. Um, you just have to make the most of what you have, you know, but that, that's been the case for, for 60 years now. You know, my dad talks about hunting back in the sixties and, and being able to hunt clear into November and having multiple tags and so, you know, this has been going on for a long, long time, this, this whole decline in the herd and the quality and opportunity. And so likely it's not to change. Um, you know, I can't, I can't say that any, I can't think of anything that, that, that has gotten a lot better when it comes to, to mule deer hunting. It's still fun. Don't get me wrong. And I've had, I mean, I've had a good 20 years, but I, you know, I've, I've been able to stay on the leading edge of things, you know, to get out there and scout really, you know, while other people still hadn't started doing it. You know, I started finding landowner tags in Colorado long before most other people caught on. Yeah. Um, you know, even with the Colorado reissue thing, you know, I was able to grab tags for a few years before more and more people caught on and they went to the new system and, you know, and that's one of the keys to being able to be successful at this is trying to stay ahead of everyone else. Because once everyone else catches up to where you are, 
you know, then you're just on a level playing field and you're not going to have the same opportunity or success. So in other words, you had to become more resourceful and you had to really think about your strategy because of the decline in all the stuff we've just talked about. You got to be, you got to be thinking about other things other than just pulling the trigger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we, we got involved, you know, like say 20 years ago, I, I applied for a tag in Colorado, drew it. It was a fantastic hunt. And that same year, someone had mentioned, you know, a, a local over there told me he got a landowner tag and they had only been doing this for maybe one or two years. And man, I pounced on that. You know, the next summer I'm on the phone calling, you know, every ranch that I can find a, a number for that has the acreage to do this and, and you know, and getting on the tax assessment websites, you know, yeah. finding these ranches with enough acreage and calling them and, you know, and so we were able to get in on that. Well, it, you know, it lasted for 15 years before eventually, you know, you have services like on X or so that come out that just give you the name right there. So then everybody's in on it. The guys with the money, push the those of us without the money out of the game. Yes. And so, you know, and I'm still looking for my edges wherever I can to go hunt places I want to hunt. You know, in Wyoming, I, you know, I apply with other guys who have a lot of points who don't have the time that I do to go scout and and it's a win-win for each of us. And and that's, you know, but eventually that'll go away as well. You know, and so I'll just keep, you know, a guy just has to keep searching for you know, these, Hey, how do I continue to keep having this opportunity? You know, cause that's all I really like to hunt is the mule deer. And so that's where I put all my efforts. I don't worry about sheep hunting or elk hunting or, you know, any of the other. And so, you know, I can look for, for ways to get tags here or there, or, you know, if I have to buy a landowner tag, maybe save up my money, but, uh, so. It's incredible what the tags are going for. The uh, yeah, we, we drew. We we met some guys on a hunt out in Colorado a few years ago, and stayed in touch with them, and and they turned us on to uh, to a unit, and we ended up cashing in our points. It took about ten years, and they were like, "Well, we we don't have the points to do that." we'll just buy landowner tag and land the landowner tag for that particular unit was 6,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've become re, uh, crazy, but again, you know, once, you know, once all this information gets out there and it becomes, you know, available to everyone and you no longer have an advantage, man, you, then you've got to have another advantage. And right now that's, having more money than the next guy <laughs> if you want <laughs> to buy those landowner tags and you know but that's the way it goes and that's the the premise of this podcast to keep publicly accessible free hunting readily available to everybody and i i i have my doubts that that's i mean we're heading towards the people with the, the most uh, financial wealth have access to the resources. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, it happens in all parts of our life. Um, yep. 
it's just a, a fact of how the world works, or at least in this country, they, ha- you know, people with money have an advantage um, in, a, in a lot of, in a lot of areas, you know, and, and, but we as hunters, I mean, we have a choice, you know, we could dial back, you know, how far we want to shoot at game or, or how far we want to hike, you know, and we could bring back some of that opportunity if we wanted, but, but, the vast majority of sportsmen, they're not about to give up their, their long range rifles or, you know, the, or road access, ATV access into places, you know, they're just not willing to give it up. You know, it's people, you know, a lot of hunters, you know, they, they want it to be as easy as possible to get that trophy. You know, I mean, hard work isn't at the top of their list for, for a lot of hunters. You know, they would rather be able to ride their ATV up into this canyon rather than have to hike four miles. Yeah. Um, and, you know, or shoot across the canyon and get that deer after they've been applying for 10 years rather than having to, to go over on that side of the canyon and sneak in on it. You know, and and until until sportsmen, you know, can can sit back and say, Hey, we have got too much of an advantage and that that's why I don't get to hunt every year until we do that. It's going to continue down this road, you know, cause that's one of the primary reasons we don't have the opportunity that we used to have is because we have so much, such a, a big advantage over the game compared to what we used to have, you know, and, and if, if you want to have that advantage and keep, you know, uh, increase in that advantage. Well, it comes at, uh, the opportunity is, is the, is the cost. As the resource, as the resource dwindles and the hunter becomes more effective and efficient and successful, the opportunity suffer. Yeah. Yeah. The opportunity. I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, as the, you know, deer herds decrease, that's, that's a big problem as well. But that's one that the sportsman probably doesn't have a huge control over. You know, our population grows whether us sportsmen want it to or not. You know, there's other people out there in the woods, whether we want that or not. But when it comes to our, you know, ability to to kill animals, we have a choice there. And, and most sportsmen obviously clearly have not decided that we want to dial it back. Otherwise, you would see increases in, in more primitive weapon type hunts and these highly uh, high success hunts going, you know, being reduced. It's the tragedy of the commons. You know, it's the mentality of I got to get it because if I don't get it, someone else will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, you know, other people, you know, it used to be, at least when I grew up, I mean, hunting's all we did. Well, you know, now a lot of people have many other hobbies. And so, you know, they probably would rather go out and have success, you know, once every five years and then do something else. Those other four rather than go hunt all five years, you know, and have a, a, a less likely chance of, of success. Yeah, it's just at least that's my theory with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of um you know, mule deer are my favorite species and I and I haven't been real successful hunting them. But 
I've well, I've I've hunted them. I'm one for three on my trips out west on on mule deer. One for three, and in my trip to Western Colorado, I I ate the tag, and and I could have shot a smaller buck, but the quality that I was expecting wasn't there. So, as as much as I've I've I haven't hunted him that often. But they're still the, the the most magnificent animal, I think, on the landscape. Yeah, yeah I would I would agree. That's like you say. That's a, it's uh, it's about all I hunt. I mean, I, you know, I haven't hunted elk in a lot of years. I mean, I just I love hunting the deer. I love the country it takes me into. You know, and and a lot of times too, when you talk about you know the quality that you expect. You know, it's like I was telling someone the other day, quite often it, it all it takes is one or two bucks and that would change your opinion on the quality immensely. Sure. You know, if you would have gone over there and, you know, and seen a, a 190 inch buck, couldn't get him, but then turn around and kill the 195 inch or six days into the hunt, you'd probably be singing a totally different tune. Yeah. And, you know, and it does, it comes down because there's not very many places, even the really good places, the Henry mountains where you're going to go down there and just see gobs of, of really, really big bucks. You know, you're going to see lots of, you know, your, your 24 inch type bucks. And then there's a few of those really special ones. And then, and a lot of times it just depends on whether you see them or not on, on your opinion of how, how uh, great the hunt is. Well, the first day of the of the season, I pulled up on a a three by three that was in. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience glassing mule deer. I don't have a lot of experience judging mule deer. But he was just a beautiful. Just his his tines were so freaking long, just mm-hmm. massive, and I was ready to shoot him. Even 10 years taking that tag, I mean, I was perfectly ready. My buddy was like, you know, he's only a three-point. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> and I didn't get him. But if I would have gotten him, <laughs> I probably would have been like, oh, that was the awesome hunt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, just little things like that can change, you know. And then a lot of it's expectations. I mean, I deal with a lot of guys who, you know, who want to hunt western Wyoming. You know, well, they see these winter range pictures of these bucks or they see the few that hit Instagram that are taken and they're great big ones. And I'll tell you, the first thing I tell people when we get talking is, hey, don't expect that because those are the extreme few, you know, and, you know, a lot of guys, they see, you know, these pictures of some of the best bucks that are killed in, you know, even 15 years ago in Colorado. Well, that wasn't the real I mean, it's not, it wasn't like that. I mean, I, you know, I killed, you know, over the last 20 years, I've killed six of them over 200 and they're the, probably the six biggest bucks I've seen in all that time, Yeah, you know, and I don't know that I've seen another buck over 200 in all that time. Well, maybe a couple, a couple, but what I'm getting at is, you know, they're just, there's just not very many of those really big bucks. And, yeah. and no matter, you know, the, the 
part of the big problem with the whole uh, social media internet thing is you people get to see the very biggest, you know, and they don't get to see the <laughs> the millions of small ones that are that are the real world, <laughs> right? So, so expectations people have to sometimes dial them back too, you know. I do all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it it's you got to roll with the punches. Yep. yep. Do you have any plans with Monster Mule? Or are you just going to keep rolling? And I mean, it's a great website. I, I use it often and constantly get my Western fix. Yeah. I mean, at this point, the plan is just to keep plugging along and uh, keep it going as best I can. And, you know, for as long as I can. I mean, obviously, you know, since the advent of Facebook and Instagram and, you know, YouTube, you know, it's much more difficult. You know, there's a lot, a lot more competition out there. So all a guy can do is keep, keep at it. You know, it's like I tell my wife all the time, though, is, you know, the resource is so limited that there really isn't room for a lot more hunters to come into the sport you know, and, but yet there's so much more competition in, you know, as far as video and talk forums and, and, uh, yeah. you know, out there for people. So it's just, you know, just keep plugging as long as, as long as I can. I've considered selling it a couple of times, but that probably wouldn't be right <laughs> when you run something that long. Yeah. Got to keep with it. Right. Yep. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we we haven't covered? No, no. Well, I thank you for your time, man. And um, I wish you success in the mule deer woods. Yeah, I appreciate it. You too. You going to try and get back out here? Yeah, I have points that um, I have deer points in Arizona, deer points in Wyoming, and... uh, gaining points again in in colorado so i'm i cashed in some this will be my second point this year colorado so Uh, building back up you know i've got 20 in colorado no (laughs) and i've almost yeah i'm in a position where now things have been going downhill man do i but i've been able like i said i've been able to get landowner tags or the reissue tags for all these years so i've accumulated all those points and yeah, now I have no, I really have no idea where I want to burn them, you know? If, if I could get onto somewhere and have a legitimate, and I'm not talking like a monster, like 160, 170, which would be so awesome for me. I know that's not very big for mule deer, you know? Well, that's, that's doable in a lot of places, you know? I mean, 160's not, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's still hard to get. There's not yeah, going to yeah. be one everywhere, but it's de- definitely not unrealistic. You know, when you're talking that type, I think, you know, in a lot of places, once you get up over 180, then it's getting a little tougher. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah. And, and there's a lot of units that, you know, where, where that's quite possible, you know. well i think we could wrap it up there and uh again thanks for coming on brian i appreciate your time all right hey you have a good one you too thanks Uh, bye-bye